0: Thank you. Welcome everyone. This is all about Windows Phone Insight Podcast 180. Recording this on Monday, the 16th May 2016. I'm Steve Litchfield. Apologies for the downtime, but uh, uh, Mr. Rafe Blanford is finally here with me. Hey.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Steve. You're very kindly not telling everybody that it's my fault that we've uh, not had a podcast for sort of two and a half, almost three weeks. Uh, sometimes real life uh, intervenes. In a combination of work, family, and uh, PC troubles and trying to find enough time to get it all recorded and Steve's much more flexible on his schedule and it's a not more understanding uh, than I am so big thank you to Steve for his patience as well and of course to the audience we've had several people emailing in asking us uh, what's happened to the show are we still doing it we're absolutely still recording it we will try to get back to the weekly schedule as well um, and it was also me being bad saying to Steve at the last moment can't quite make it tonight so he wasn't able to get a, a guest in um, and we'll uh, try and rectify that for future episodes so thank you for your understanding standing and sit tight as we uh, do our usual roundup of what's going on in the windows 10 mobile world
0: well yes there, there's a, there have been a few updates in the intervening two and a half weeks we are kind of on the cusp of another think, rather very exciting redstone uh, update the very next next generation of windows 10 mobile it's, it's been overdue for at least a week or two and i think that was pulled at the last minute last week so and tuesday is normally a day when the, uh, the updates that were being tested by the Microsofties over the weekend finally get released out and rolled to the public. They never release a, a build of anything on a Monday, I've noticed. Uh, Tuesday is often a good day, as is Friday. So as tomorrow is Tuesday to record this, we're hoping another Redstone build hits. And of course, watch the um, flow column, maybe even the main news column if it's major enough, and I'll report on that. But in the meantime, we have had... A brand new version um, for all production devices, um, certainly on, on the Threshold branch, the main Windows 10 Mobile 10586, uh, build 318. In fact, this one didn't even go out to Insiders, Rafe. It was simply it was tested internally, found to be really, really good, uh, and then pushed to all people, whether they're on the Insiders uh, release preview or just running them vanilla production devices that they brought down in Curry's in the high street. So I think Microsoft must be pretty confident with this one. And I have to say my 950 my has been on the threshold branch on this release preview and now on 318 for about a month now, and it's been very, very stable. I've only had to restart it, I think, maybe once or twice a week, which, which sounds horrendous in the grand scheme of things. But for Windows Phone and Windows 10 Mobile, that's actually pretty good. And to be fair, I've also got Android devices here either from manufacturers or I've got one on the um, Android 7 preview uh, and they also need restarting about once a week something goes wrong and you have to reboot the phone or something crashes it so none of these devices are 100 percent stable maybe i could look across at some of the iphones in my family and say they haven't re- rebooted in in months but um, certainly in the windows phone and android world i think uh, one restart a week is not too bad and i've been very pleased with the uh, threshold build so yeah build 318 is now available just loads of fixes and improvements really do go and look at the news story and uh, good to see you, Rafe.
1: It, it was good to see you. i mean like you i'm actually running a main device on, on threshold. So, um I would pick out a couple of things from this. Uh, they talk about, I mean, it's the usual change log, which doesn't tell you very much um, with reliability, performance, stability fixes, but they went into a bit more detail around um, fixing some things on battery drain, I actually saw a couple of uh, people talk about the fact they'd uh, benefit from this. I hadn't ha- been having a problem, so it wasn't one for me. But I did have some problems with uh, USB-C connectivity on the, the 950. And this update does appear to have cleaned it up. I usually got around it by just sort of unplugging and plugging things in again, but not having to do that. Yet. It's always uh, a benefit. And then there's a, a couple of things that I noticed um, for in car usage, actually. I think it was uh, Cortana has a fix so that the music playback resumes now after dismissing uh, incoming text. Um, and there are a couple of things around that. It's just these little bits and pieces that you read on the changelog. and you go, oh yes, I, I haven't actually noticed that being a problem anymore. I have to admit I'm not quite as good at some people at spotting when these uh, uh, bugs have been uh, fixed, but when I actually uh, get round to reading the changelog, because now the updates kind of roll out quite regularly. I'm not always quite as... Uh, keen or quite as on the ball to read them the moment they come out and i was just reading this before we started the podcast thought yes that's a couple of things i've noticed uh have improved and it, it's interesting see we've talked in the past about how um this kind of what should we call it, the stable release threshold in its early days wasn't really that stable and there were some problems and you know on the podcast we've described it variously as 95% ready or a beta product or there's 5% missing 1% missing it's gradually been improving over time but it is noticeable that certainly on the Lumia devices which where I have most of my experience with Windows 10 mobile things have got a lot better Um, but it's also you know we've talked in the past about uh, software development how it works it kind of amazes me that it takes this long to to get stable Um, in all fairness it's not unique by any means to uh, windows 10 mobile it does feel like it's taking a little bit longer this time around though steve i mean is it really acceptable that we're kind of six months in or seven months in and it's kind of taken to this point where i'm quite willing to say that you know it feels very stable now you'll have all kinds of debates about missing features in windows 10 mobile or as you say there's still this maybe need to reboot and certainly um, i'd say yeah i probably do it once or once or twice a week um If I notice a problem, if I don't notice a problem, it probably gets more like two weeks. But um, between uh, installing updates regularly and uh, it running out of battery uh, completely, because I've I've run it right down, you know, the reboots happen that way as well. So uh, I I guess the question to you, Steve, is, you know, have you been able to put up with it? I mean, has it been minor enough that you've just gone, yeah, it's fine? Um, But you have benefit, obviously, from it getting better and better over time. (laughs) It feels like it's just in time for what's now going to be the next big update. Now we're going to reset that clock again.
0: Of course we are. But I would say (laughs) that having been very savage with percentages of readiness over the last year or so, and we've gradually watched that figure climb from 70, 80, 90, 95 (laughs) I would say it's probably 98, 99% stable and mature. Certainly, certainly, I would say it's eminently usable by most people most of the time. The biggest gap probably in Windows 10 mobile threshold uh, for people who have got compatible devices or have upgraded, it is probably still the applications that aren't quite there. Um, there are a few examples. There are less and less of them, of course. We have Instagram releasing a brand new version only today, uh, and that's very much up with the the, the the current iOS code base. So that's probably the, the, the missing one per said it's probably not so much the os it's probably the fact that there are probably one or two applications niche applications which just aren't on the platform Uh, i would also emphasize the fact that uh, these these operating systems have got amazingly complex people shouldn't be too blasé and just criticize companies for uh, bugs that just looking at the list of the things they fix some of them some of the things they fix can be so incredibly niche um if you, can you remember, Rafe? I know this is probably before you were born, but back, back in the <laughs> old days, back when I was a boy, um, operating systems would come on a floppy disk. Uh, we, I can remember the time when you had a new version of your computer operating system coming on a 1.4 megabyte floppy disk. Uh, obviously, a version of DOS back in this. I guess I'm talking about some early 1980s now. So, uh, so, yeah, that's going back a long way. But it just shows how far we've come, from so from one uh, 1.4 megabytes all the way up to. I guess Windows 10 is what um, 10 gigabytes uncompressed something in that region. That's that's c- colossal. That's a colossal increase in complexity. Now, obviously, an operating system these days is not just the managing files and. And, and a basic user interface. Now we've got a tremendously complica- complicated, complicated, complex, I can't say it, complex UI and functionality and communications and networking. There are so many things a computer is supposed to do now. The convergence in you know, all the different functions from all the different gadgets in your life, all of that in one, coherent software operating system running on a single device that's just an amazing accomplishment perhaps we shouldn't be surprised that it occupies up to 10 gigabytes uncompressed in terms of firmware inside the phone but we also shouldn't be surprised that with Literally tens of millions of lines of code, if not hundreds of millions, by now. Ralph, that there are, there will be a few bugs. There will be a few things that slip through the net. And I, I honestly think we've got to the point now where no, no single operating system on the planet, and that includes iOS, can be remotely bug-free. And I don't think any of them can get actually beyond about ninety-nine point five percent ever. Just a, because it, they're just so complex.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, certainly for the consumer-facing operating systems that's true I, I like to think some of the uh, other operating systems that may be doing new more vital things like I don't know running nuclear power stations uh, managed to avoid <laughs> that 0.5% but you're absolutely right and I think it's very easy to just forget about that complexity um, and the number of scenarios that you have to account for I mean just from a testing point of view if even if you're doing something that like automated testing the number of scenarios you have to run through it's just the mind boggles and as you say I think actually uh, the core OS is a generally pretty and they're well understood they're well tested um and the applications are, are certainly a problem i mean i think there's still an issue um with some functions of the microsoft band on windows 10 mobile for example i think writing text messages it's not something i ever do myself but someone was uh, chatting away to me about and said oh i kind can- of didn't realize and that's the thing of course there are you know thousands of bugs and they will of course like any software development project kind of that backlog will get prioritized and some things will get fixed faster than others i mean in the recent uh, threshold update there was a relatively nasty bug that uh, would see the phone reset if edge loaded certain websites now again i didn't come across that one myself but i'm pretty sure that that would be given uh, a high priority Uh, you know this complexity is an interesting thing of course because Actually, there's probably no one person who can even explain much less fully comprehend and be able to work on everything from top to bottom that goes into a modern smartphone. If you think about the complexity that's in the silicon itself in the hardware, you know, most people will specialize in just a single area. And so, you know, we talk about cameras or something like that, and there are whole teams dedicated to just uh, building those camera modules. A separate team will be doing uh, the software, and there will be those who specialize across both. But then you think about all the chipsets um, and the Qualcomm Snapdragon, and all the things that exist in that, and that's got multiple bits of functionality in it. And that's before you even get into sort of the materials and some of the material science that goes into the casing then the aerial engineering. And we still on hardware, you get into software, and of course now there is increasingly uh, shared code um, across the versions of Windows, but actually even across Android, iOS, and Windows, I suspect there's a lot more commonalities than we might realize, um, You know, particularly for something when you're doing that hardware integration in the drivers. Yeah. Um And, you know, you you come further and further up the stack, and actually, in the last 10 years, I think what's probably surprised me most is how much extra value has been added on top. And what I mean by that is you kind of refer to that single floppy disk operating system, and yeah, to be honest, it was a bit before my time, but... On that, you had a relatively basic operating system, and there might have been a few applications bundled with it, but just a handful. The operating system itself has become more complex as it starts to do more things. You think of all the networking uh, bits and pieces, think of all the things that it can do. And then, of course, the software on top of that has also evolved the number of applications people can expect to come shipped by default and the number of features that they have. I mean, you look at even something like the browser, but particularly, I think, the productivity software in terms of, you know, uh, both Outlook, all the calendar, all the Word and Office things are far more sophisticated than anything you ever got before. Um, and it does feel like there can be bloat at times and you wonder how it can be so much bigger when uh, the elegance that was able to be achieved were on very constrained devices with programs, you know, maybe in some cases just running to you know, tens of kilobytes or even less when we are on very constrained devices. But, you know, the early days of You know, smartphones, uh, an application that was maybe five, six megabytes in size was considered quite big. I mean, going back to the science days, Steve, I know there were applications (laughs) of that size, but a lot of them would be, you know, a couple of hundred kilobytes or or even less. And now it's not unusual to see a single update being a couple of hundred megabytes and something like instagram which is a new version you know that's tens of megabytes r- right there and relatively speaking you see it as a simple software that's really i think just an artifact you know it's happening all over computing is there isn't that constraint on disk space and so you know whether you regard it as sort of a day's development i I personally don't see it like that it's just not the constraint and so the economic benefit of trying to reduce that down just isn't there anymore so it's you know in one sense that memory that space almost comes for free but i wonder whether that has a kind of knock-on effect or that attitude that essentially because of moore's law and similar um, you know story in memory and story space itself you've just got to that point where you know it, it has just become more capable um, but the resources available have increased even more and and there's almost a sense i don't know that it, it, i i don't want to call it wasted but it is an interesting phenomenon um, and I say not not just smartphones i think it's across computing as a whole you know this need to upgrade Uh, And are we getting the same amount of value each time we do that that kind of upgrade? And I think in the mobile space until very recently, we've absolutely been getting better and better smartphones. But one of the reasons that we've seen this rise of mid-tier and even low-cost devices is actually I think the difference between those lower cost and the higher cost devices has come down in terms of that functional feature set and value that you derive from that. And actually we've seen it move off into other areas, perhaps around design and things like that um This argument that actually you can get a very decent mid-tier phone that ha- produces, say, photographs from the camera that are just as good. All of that it makes me wonder, you know, where where are we going next? And actually, the artefact of that is, of course, that you you come to the conclusion it's experience and software. And then you look back and go, actually, that's been going on for a while. It always used to be that people would value the operating system, and then they started valuing the applications. And I think there's a sense now that actually it's moving even beyond that. You know, there's an expectation that you get a certain number of applications, certain things. It's almost the services and the content that sit above that. And so, you know, what's the value of something like Netflix? Is it because it's a great and easy to use application? Sure, that's part of it. But actually, it's the service that it offers, the content that it gives you access to that's even more important. And similarly, with over-the-top messaging software, you know, things like WhatsApp or Facebook Messenger, the value is as much derived in, you know, that experience that it can give you than the application itself, because there's actually lots of those over-the-top messaging services, and there have been for a while. But what Facebook has chosen to add on top and also the network, effect, of course, of millions, 700, 900, a billion people using them. And so it just makes me wonder about where, where smartphones uh, go next. And of course, this all ties back into what we've been talking about in previous weeks with uh, Microsoft stretching, you know, how it competes. Which is why, in one sense, I think its move into enterprise is very smart, because clearly there's going to be uh, a lot of value there as the workforce becomes more mobilized as an enterprise focus. Or at least that's where Microsoft, when you look at you know, the rest of the company, where it makes sense for it to be. So, wow, that was a bit of a, a side, side, side step and a, a long answer, Steve, but um, hopefully your interest to our listeners.
0: I would reassure people of course that our nuclear power stations are completely safe because they run on Windows XP which of course is fully supported <laughs> and so, oh hang on a minute yeah no yeah yeah I think the um the power stations and such like hopefully a few of them still run on DOS because I'm sure that the hackers haven't got worked their way back to DOS by now um, talking of DOS, by the way, anyone out there remember Telepathy? That was one of my favorite computer applications of all time. This really is going back into the mists of time. But there was a DOS application called Telepathy, which was an online client for the CIX Compulink Information Service. Uh, you know, is that right? Yes. Compulink Information Exchange. That's right. In London. It was kind of a precursor to the uh, sort of the, the the modern Internet, if you like. It ran alongside CompuServe. Um, and it was a one- basically it was an offline reader that you could access thousands and thousands of forums interact with tens of thousands of people with with minimal online time minimal dial-up modem time all from a, an incredibly hotkey efficient dos interface and the entire application i think was about 200k i mean those those were the days rafe
1: anyway, um, that was I'm definitely that was definitely before my time um uh, while we're while we're sharing war stories i first got online um with CompuServe, and of course yeah. it had all its groups and so it was actually a simple it was just a, a little bit later than cix um and of course, you know, we've evolved enormously since then, but actually if you look at the way uh, Facebook is, is moving, and there's definitely a desire there from for the Uh, well maybe this is sort of putting it too strongly but facebook would rather you stay within facebook properties because that's how it makes money and so one sense facebook wants to become the the internet and you know you look at all its various properties um and now actually if you look at the stats people spend a scary amount of time within facebook controlled areas and actually particularly um if you look at the mobile app space with you know facebook is one of the most popular the most downloaded apps and actually if you look at the, the stats that um 80 you know there's always the the set that's a bit doubtful depending on whether you include web views and things like that that uh, people spend eighty percent of their smartphone time in apps and of that eighty percent five uh, spent in just five apps of which Facebook and Facebook and Instagram I think I believe are three of those five um and so you know we've come almost full circle um you know. Facebook is the new CX or the new CompuServe, but I can tell you the uh, application sizes are considerably bigger than they were were originally. And it's you know, the old adage in tech, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Um, yeah. Actually, the same happens in, in the smartphone world. I think you and I still probably talk around some of the same issues over and over again, certainly uh, software stability. But hopefully we set it in the context of what's going on at the current time. And the, the reason for talking about all of this was, of course, um, the software updates with Threshold and with redstone uh coming down the line. But also I think it's a, a question that Microsoft needs to think about very carefully in mobile because what activities does it want to undertake? What experiences does it want to build as you know smartphones become basically the dominant computing platform? This is a people describe it as the existential crisis for Microsoft. So I think that's an exaggeration because Microsoft is still a player. But of course it's not when you compare it to where it was. You know, Microsoft controlled the desktop operating system and arguably the most most important apps in terms of the office suite on top of that. Now it doesn't control mobile OS in any shape or form. It still has a pretty good uh, stranglehold in terms of productivity apps, in particular, if you look at some of the enterprise stuff, I mean, the Exchange server being a good example of that. But, you know, where does it where, where does it go on from that? And actually, it's not enough just to think about, you know, what apps and it's done, things like um, built, uh, bought Sunrise. She recently shut that down and kind of rolled it into Outlook. Um, but this is why Microsoft talked about, Conversation as a platform, and why it's investing in HoloLens because it still believes there's new computing platforms to come. And in that sense, I think mobile remains important to them because it will be a control point and it will be the remote control for our lives for the foreseeable future. And so just as we sort of talk about one computing platform and the next, I think it's worth keeping sight of, of the future. And actually, I think it offers an explanation for, for why Microsoft continues to invest in Windows 10 Mobile, because that form factor and the constraints that are inherent in mobile are going to be important, whichever computing platform you believe will be dominant going forward. And, and my view personally is that you know, we, we were in an era um where the pc the desktop was dominant and then we sort of moved into one where mobile became increasingly dominant but there's almost this the, the next thing is we will have the multiple computing platforms as i would say um computing platforms if they aren't already a are kind of intrinsic to the way we live our lives and they are just there kind of invisibly as part of the fabric of the way you know we operate as a, a society and certainly in the digital sense um but going forward there's actually a lot more to come and actually I think there will be a greater degree of diversity with those computing platforms and that that's actually how you get to this kind of intuitive digital world. And we've talked in the past about these kind of future concept videos and how they all, all fit in but actually the the lesson you kind of learn from that is it's th- this idea of ubiquitous computing that's all around us i think what we're seeing is there are going to be multiple platforms to to serve that and in that's that sense of course the operating system the platforms still matter but it really is more than anything else the experiences that sit on top of that that deliver the real value and what people will really remember and what will make them choose one thing over another and how they're delivered the platform to me feels much less important
0: yeah and of course the key to all of that is actually authentication which is why biometrics is so important because if i'm in sitting in a in in a world whether i'm on a train or at home or in the office or in a in a shared environment like a cafe at, at each point i've got phones and i've got wearables and i've got tablets i've got computers i've got potentially wall screens projectors and all goodness manners of internet of things and internet connected devices and at each point i need every single screen every surface every point of interaction to know it's me and not some imposter and of course that's where fingerprint sensors and, and iris recognition and all the rest of it do come in so you, you can, all the clues over the last year or so in terms of Windows 10 mobile and of course the way the other platforms have been going in terms of Certainly, every single Android device over about two hundred pounds has got fingerprints sensors now. And of course, all the iPhones have had fingerprint sensors for several years. Um, I can only see this trend increasing. Rafe, I, I can see the point. I can see the point where almost every smartphone has an iris um, scanner and a fingerprint scanner, um, and possibly other methods of biometrics we haven't even thought of yet over the next sort of decade or so. Does that sound
1: about right? That, that, that
0: biometrics is is the key to all, all of this vision you've just outlined.
1: Uh, absolutely. I mean, I I, I would say kind of more broadly identity as you quite rightly said first yeah. of all and biometrics is one part of it. i mean the security people will tell you that iris and uh fingerprints aren't so good because you can't actually change them which is kind of something inherent in a security scheme but i think they will be the thing that that you always have with you and that will be assumed to be the thing and there will then probably be something else you know when you start talking about multiple factor uh, authentication Yeah, that's absolutely critical. And you can see Microsoft making investments in that space. And and indeed, you can see lots of others doing it as well. Um, The interesting thing is when you then get on to uh, what's going to be the computational engine behind all of that. And at the moment, most of it's distributed to the edge of the network in terms of PCs and phones. But we've talked a lot about cloud and certainly Microsoft, Google, Amazon, and others talk about it too. I think if you see that, kind of computing platforms sitting in the cloud. I think that's absolutely the way things are going. Um, In the meantime, we're going to have this hybrid solution where there's still plenty of Know, oomph at the edge of the network and when i say the edge of the network i kind of mean all the devices we individually have in our homes um and the smart the, the smartphone is almost a microcosm of that because in one sense if you think about the smart home or wearables or internet of things certainly in the personal sense the smartphone is often acting as the brains or the cloud for that kind of personal network and i think that model is then repeated upwards and the reason i think that's so interesting is because you, you don't think about the way microsoft is making investments in various places and windows everywhere being one of them but arguably the you know that's less important because it'll be invisible to the consumer a lot of time but thinking about the way you you architect your computing um with, what Microsoft is doing and it's not just Microsoft I and mean Google's following exactly the same model as well. Um, and arguably also people like Facebook and Amazon is to kind of make as much as common as possible and to kind of have commoditization of the hardware and to a certain extent, the software as well. And then you kind of have that invisible layer across which everything runs, sits on and you abstract it from individual bits of hardware or you yeah. know, particular requirements. And then you still have that presentation to the end user. Now, of course, we will still see them as kind of singular devices, but in terms of the way they're constructed from both a software and to a certain extent, a hardware point of view as well, you know, that that commonality and that commoditization absolutely does happen. Um, And of course, our experience of them Will be mediated through things like artificial intelligence and everything out, which, which gives you a you know, very personal experience. And we'll see things like uh, much more, uh, I, I guess, it would be ambient or um, adaptive design coming in. So you know, this idea that we'll all have the same computing experience will also go away. At the same time, the thing that powers it underneath will be uh, a lot of commonalities. Yeah. So, you know we're kind of getting away from the subject of Windows 10 Mobile. But I think it's important to realise this because I think a lot of the time uh, I've seen in the last couple of years, people kind of assume or kind of the implicit assumption is that the current way smartphones and PCs and everything operate is is the end state. If that were to happen, that would be the surprising thing. It will continue to evolve. And, you know, Steve, you and I have been following smartphones for 10 years and we mentioned earlier, we see an enormous amount of evolution We've revolution in that time infinite amount more complexity but essentially it's been operating within the same bounds or the same model and i you know i really believe actually we're on the edge of that starting to change and there's a whole bunch of enabling technologies coming in you know it is about ubiquitous connectivity it is about ubiquitous smartphones being everywhere it's about sensors um it's about artificial intelligence it's about you know, connectivity and all of those things are going into a melting pot and it's not really yet clear quite what emerges from that. And I've talked about what I believe are the building blocks there, but you do see these kind of new things emerging and, you know, Microsoft HoloLens is one particular bet, you know, Magic Leap is in that that same area, or maybe we'll see, you know, some radical innovation in terms of smartphone materials, you know, the idea of, uh, you know, foldable displays and all of that sort of thing comes in. And that's just on on, on one aspect or one dimension of it. You know, the software also you know could change and honestly i'm I'm really excited to see it happen and so you know someone asked me a couple of days ago you know where do i think smartphones and specifically ios and android would be in five years time and i think it's actually harder to look forward now than it was five years ago i think it's quite predictable what's happened in the last five years it's maybe happened faster and things have changed more quickly in terms of probably wouldn't have guessed that iOS and Android were going to be quite as dominant as they were, but maybe I had my own rose-tinted spectacles for that particular element. But actually, I, you know, as I say, I think the next five years will be, in one sense, more turbulent um, because we are moving away from what I feel is quite a siloized computing environment which is something that's been kind of brought to the fore by mobile um, but actually now we're kind of learning the lessons of what does it mean to be in a kind of mobile by default in terms of the, the big landscape of um, computing and of digital and there's just this suggestion that that, that may change and so you know, if you like the, the bounds or the dimensions are going to change in the next few years certainly in certain markets I mean uh, I think we always tend to overestimate. The speed, which change in one, one sense, but then miss some things that are going to appear all altogether. And that, that's always the way when you're looking into your crystal ball.
0: Yeah, yeah. you mentioned, this, without wishing to extend this, this rattle even further, <laughs> just <laughs> to bring it back to Windows and mobile and so forth. Of course, Cortana is something that we're used to just using in terms of voice assistance and even text assistance, if you just type straight into it, to get answers to questions and to set reminders, all the simple stuff. But in ad- it, from what you've just said, it sounds like the the concept of a cloud surface. I, I Cortana, your digital female virtual pretty friend in the cloud who's basically not only on your device also in on microsoft servers also on your pcs your laptops your hybrids and and the other devices you have which tie into that ecosystem and tie into that service um there'll be enough intelligence there that it will st- you know people already you know things like if then then that finally you, you use that a lot um whereby there are decisions made for you on your behalf in the cloud which which follow a logical pattern and which actually help you in real life so we used to have the concept of a pda a personal digital assistant and the old sign organizers i used to love were part of that but they were strictly standalone we've got we're getting to the point where you could have a almost like a a a virtual personal personal digital assistant her name might be cortana or it might be some google now or amazon or whatever but those that concept taken to the next level and existing literally, literally, almost literally in hyperspace, virtually, but extending out into all the different devices and gadgets and accessories you've got around you, but with with massive intelligence to physically help you and to guide you through life.
1: That, that's absolutely right. I mean, I mean in one sense, it, Cortana is just the kind of name that's given to the, the bit that sits on the surface like an iceberg. There's all sorts of stuff underneath it. And it's why Google and Microsoft are... Making investments in uh, kind of neural networks, deep learning, all of those bits and pieces, which frankly, I mean, I don't have a great understanding of, but that will change things. And I think the most important point, um, in one sense, that you made there, and that I think if you were going to say one thing that's going to change about computing and the way we interact with computers is this. Uh, idea of agency i'm just going to boil it down to one thing you know up until this point we've largely been giving instructions and it's been quite a an active process or proactive in the way we interact with uh, you know digital services looking forward it's absolutely possible to see um, and it's partly ai but it's partly the sort of learnings that you can take from big data and all the assumptions you can make about the way people behave from that because as much as we like might like to think most of us aren't that unique and can be segmented into groups you know you can look at it and go agency will have things acting on your behalf and you already see this with the self-learning things like the nest thermostat and a variety of other things and actually amazon's been one of the forefronts of this with its kind of dash replenishment program the idea that your printer can order new cartridges for you or your washing machine can uh order you more washing powder and all those kind of things you take that forward and if it can then ingest a lot of data in, other things about you and learn as it goes it's probably going to know things before you yourself know them and (laughs) so you know that that sense of agency i mean don't get me wrong it can go really badly wrong and actually this is one of the big problems to, to overcome is you know something that seems perfectly log- logical and rational to us as a decision will fox a machine because there's that just that missing bit of information or, or data and it'll irritate you intensely when it tries to do something i mean a good example might be it, it turns out the lights at eleven thirty downstairs because that's you know what you ask it to do every night but actually you know that's the one day you've got a visitor coming in late and you've agreed to leave all the lights on and unless it's got that bit of data it may not know that but uh, agency i think will be the big thing thing that changes and it will require a certain amount of adjustment in our attitudes. So I think a lot of people are uncomfortable with digital assistance doing things on your behalf. But that's the big time saving, you know, big productivity saving. Yeah. You can you can think about it in travel and making travel arrangements for you. You know, we've already gone the steps of you know on demand and Uber and things like that. But then you think about financial transactions as, as well. You know, how much of that would you be happy to happen automatically? Or you know, just imagine if something was going to switch your bank account from one company to another because it would get you a better rate of interest would you be happy for that to happen (laughs) automatically in the background because actually there is eu regulation coming in around payments that will kind of it's not quite as far as that but would certainly allow you to use a different payment service if it you know offered some kind of saving Uh, obviously we're a long way away from that but you know having installed various smart home stuff that's actually lent a certain amount of agency to the lights in my home for example i can absolutely see that coming and i I think you know that's been given a lot more consideration because of you know things like artificial intelligence and this idea of prompt or nudge behavior which is i think where we will see this first where you will be sent a push notification saying we notice you typically do x would you like to do it now and kind of reminding you about it or maybe you know it's kind of the idea of you regularly order something from amazon they may nudge you about it to kind of get you to do it or to remind you to do it Uh, uh, yes it needs a great deal of care and attention but what i would see is you see computing become a lot more active from its side rather than you having to ask it to do something Um, and obviously that has uh, great implications for what the experience is like how intuitive it is and actually it's really a bit more like the, the way we work as humans because of course most of the time we don't always go out and actively decide to do something you new know, stuff happens to us because we're interacting with others and to me you know that that's part of the so yeah, yeah thanks for prompting that thought on agency Steve
0: and of course, in a 20 years' time, the machines rise up and take over the world and we have Terminators roaming the Earth. But uh, let's not get too depressed. Uh, hopefully things <laughs> will plateau before we get to that point. Uh, you mentioned the app gap briefly just uh, about 10 minutes ago. This <laughs> was supposed to be a, a one-minute news item. Uh, um, the, our apps and games section on the site, Rafe, people may have noticed it's been frozen in time for over a year now because we were basically um, mirroring with our own tweaks part of the Microsoft Store. I've done the... Uh, and I've been updating my applications and my games directories, the curated crowdsource directories of the very best apps and games. Um, Do you you think it's practical now that we can kind of move to just mirroring those and and pointing to those and and we can probably say goodbye to this rather old set of apps and games on the site?
1: Yeah, that's the plan. So if anyone's got any objections to that, now's the time to speak up or rather email me, Rafe, at allaboutwindowsphone.com because actually, honestly, I think those kind of recommended Apps and games, list, which is what Steve has essentially put together, kind of showing you what's the best things you can get, is probably what most beginners or what most people are looking for. And then yeah. obviously keeping an eye on the site to see what new ones uh, are coming out. Uh, you know, it's actually kind of symptomatic of the fact that discovery is kind of a bit broken in app stores in general. And of course, you know, the old chestnut: people only install 23.3 applications. I've kind of always wondered what that <laughs> a third of an application is. But <laughs> it's the way the numbers work out. Uh, but, yes, we are going to be switching those over uh, very soon. Uh, the old links will continue to work as we appreciate we are pointing um some of our existing content to them as, as indeed are yeah. other people as well um but it, it it's interesting it also represents um what I think is you know increasingly important in the app store world, which is a certain amount of curation and these are apps and games that have been chosen very carefully by Steve as kind of the best of windows ten mobile and so if you're Looking to get started, or looking you know, for, for those really important apps, they're a great place to start. And you know, with a couple of hundred apps and games in there, you know, you'll you'll be kept very busy by them. Um, and actually, see, it kind of makes me think. Um, I know a lot of the apps and games I find, um, whether on uh, Windows 10 Mobile or Android or iOS, come about kind of word of mouth or personal recommendations. And yeah, I keep an eye on the kind of the top and what's new uh, lists in the app store. But I think curation is a really, really important way to get it. And actually, that's really our thinking behind uh, moving to that on all about Windows Phone as well.
0: Yeah, and thanks to the people who have been suggesting new apps and games in the comments. I realise those threads are getting rather unwieldy, but they I do read every single comment, and I, I always make a note if I've actually added things for, and, and thank people at the time. And I, people have also pointed out there should be a way of actually seeing at a glance what's been added to the directories, which wasn't a problem when there was 100 apps there, but now there's, each of the lists is in region of two to 300. I, I do agree. I think I'm going to have to start marking them with an asterisk or highlight of some kind, and then maybe after two, two weeks after I've added it or on the next update, I then remove those and and add highlights on the, the new entries. I think that might help people. So so do watch out for that, and hopefully Rafe can uh, put in a, a, some sort of transition page um, from the, the current Apps and Games tab, tab, which we'd like to keep, if only as a pointer towards <laughs> the two uh, curated directories. Um, moving on to story number 2 <laughs> 35 minutes Rafe. never mind <laughs> um the, uh, my faq the future of current windows phones people were still getting confused and I, and I can absolutely see the confusion microsoft hasn't hasn't really made this easy i wanted people to say okay well i've got device x what should i do with it so if we bring up the link on your <laughs> web browser Rafe. FAQ, the future of current Windows phones. Basically, anything Lumi, anything with a 20 after it, um, with the old S4 processors or limited RAM, they, they stay on Windows Phone 8.1, and no, no question there. The updates have stopped, et cetera, et cetera. And that was the fact the update stopped well over a year ago, so they're basically frozen in time, but they're presumably working for the people who are currently using them. The Lumia 1020, I've already done an entire set of features on that, culminating in a feature saying, okay, this is it. It's staying on 8.1. It's just there aren't enough benefits going to Windows 10 Mobile the benefits uh, are outweighed by the disadvantages. So uh, the 1020 also stays in that category, stay on Windows V8.1. Everything else, basically, everything else, you either upgrade with the Windows Insider application, if it's an older model, I can Lumate 29, 29, 25. 1320, address so you've got a gig of RAM, but the older processor, yes, you'll get a slower phone with Windows 10 Mobile, but it's worth it. It's worth it for the benefits. And I've linked in the article to my big long list of, these are reasons why you should upgrade, but you have to do it quickly. And the re- one of the reasons for my FAQ is I wanted people to realize you've only got until about the end of June, which is only the end of next month. So And it may be sooner than that. At any point, Microsoft could actually pull the provisioning of the, uh, the, the threshold release preview ring from the insider program for these old devices so if if you're if you are convinced by my arguments um then do think about upgrading sooner rather than later you can always go back if you don't like it to the uh, 8.1 8.1 will remain on the device recovery tool service at any point you can think, okay I, I had a month to go before the the provisioning i've upgraded to windows 10 mobile like steve said but i don't like it i really do wish i hadn't gone down this this route I'll, and you could always go back to 8.1 and that will remain open ad infinitum for months if not years to come so if you're in half a mind, the solution is to go for it. Go for it. Enjoy it. And if you, if, last resort, you can always go back. The updates though will stop to, to Windows 10 Mobile on these older devices in summer 2016. I've left that vague because we don't quite know when the updates uh, will finish for the and the provisioning will finish with these devices. But you'll essentially be up, jumping ahead about 18 months from the last real Windows Phone 8.1 OS release right up to the, the more or less the current. Uh, windows 10 mobile threshold latest version which is as we just mentioned at the top of the show is pretty darn stable now um the lumia 640 735 all the um windows 10 mobile approved devices a ci news story on this of course you just use the upgrade advisor utility they not only get the official windows 10 mobile upgrade but also you get production updates right through redstone right through redstone 2 into 2017 and beyond um, and the 550, 950 itself, et cetera, of course. You, no need to even utility. You just get the updates for the next two or three years. Ralph, does my new diagram make more sense? Is that clearer than my previous Venn diagram to you?
1: Well, I think it's uh, much clearer, but then I had the benefit of uh, Steve Litchfield himself explaining the original version <laughs> as well. Uh, but yes, I mean, actually, it does break it down quite nicely that there's basically these five scenarios. Um, I, I have to admit, I think for people... Uh, aware of the fact that they can or there was a possibility they can get an upgrade i feel that um you know the 520 the 620 the 630 the 720 although it's staying on windows phone 8.1 the number of people really impacted by that who are really bothered by it is pretty small now given that they're relatively old devices and also you know towards the lower end i still think um the kind of the 920 925 owners can feel a little bit hard done by but as you said you know it if you're going to move you should do it now um and you know at least that's been available you Now you, you contrast a situation where you know it's been very frustrating i think for some android users who kind of only get a year of updates you know yeah obviously it depends on the age of the device and when you bought it but you know the the 920 in particular maybe to a lesser extent the 925 and 1320 should be you know due for an upgrade for those that have them um and uh, you know there's no getting away from the fact it's it's disappointing and particularly i think you know looking forward to things like redstone and redstone 2 there's a lot of nice things coming and it's kind of it's like the windows 10 mobile or the 10.1 mobile release if you like and it's always that joke that you know for any big software update it kind of gets better once you just get that you know that second or third revision um I know I've got some of my devices uh, that fall into this category running the kind of the release preview, but actually a lot of them have ended up going back to 8.1. I mean, that's partly so I've got some 8.1 devices um, because obviously access to some of the uh, more recent devices. And they say they're in this category of devices, which is probably the, I would imagine the majority of devices when you, uh, now maybe not because of the uh, 500 series, but certainly a lot of the, if you like, prosumer uh, Windows Phone users on the 647, eight thirty nine thirty 930, etc. Um, have gone through Upgrade Advisor, and I suspect a lot of them were on the Insider program will continue to get those production updates. Uh, And as you mentioned right at the beginning of the show, Steve, actually, no, that's not that far away now. And that's uh, a pretty significant update, particularly if you're coming, you know, from the Threshold version, haven't gone through the Insider program. or even more so if you're kind of upgrading from one of the older devices and getting to experience Windows 10 Mobile for the the first time. Um, and there, there's a lot to like there and those updates are going to continue. But yes, this this divides very nicely into five categories. I would defy anyone not to be able to understand what the potential that they can get out of their existing device, even if it's uh, kind of like an old backup device. And I know a lot of people keep their older devices and kind of want to get more recent software on there and i, I think that's probably the good advice of people listening to this show i suspect everyone who has on their main devices you know, would have already upgraded but you know have you got something like a, a 920 or a 925 that you use as a, a, a previous device and it's now sitting in a drawer now's the time to make sure you're on the most recent version of the update and you may well have been on an early version of the insiders program but get the kind of release preview before it disappears at the end of june 2016 so when you do, do drop your brand new Lumia 950 into the lake down the toilet or whatever other means you choose to destroy it with you've actually got a device that's uh, pretty up to date or as up to date as it can be
0: Yeah. Um, One other thing I just wanted to mention, Rafe, I I did a story, uh, UWP's Universal Windows Programs. I was arguing perhaps the biggest benefit of forcing this Windows 10 mobile upgrade. And we mentioned there that there are loads of benefits and see the the link in the stories for my full bulleted list. There's quite a few of them. But of those, one I wanted to pluck out was this Universal Windows Programs, because more and more now uh, applications are being released in this form. i.e., They are a single binary effectively that works on desktop, hybrid, tablet, and smartphone and there are a significant number of them we've, we've reported on a fair few of them in the right hand column of the site and more are cu- coming out each week and some fairly large names as well and these are not available at all for windows phone 8.1 so it's not just about the interface rate, right? it's not even about the changes of applications for example going to outlook from windows mail and the, the improvements to maps and so forth the, the improvements to photos you could argue a whole dozen bullet points but The biggest one, and I wanted to just get focused, UWPs, they, they are going to be huge they're already being a significant benefit there's a whole catalog of applications now which you can run on and upgrade it say in Lumia 9 to 20 you've upgraded through the Insiders program release preview uh, which is what a three-year-old phone now and yes it's running the very latest Windows 10 Universal Windows programs thanks to this you know this compatibility and this this whole new ecosystem if you, if you like does that make sense
1: yeah no it's absolutely uh, a good point I mean there's there's two things that, I mean you talked about kind of the application feature set being not less important but kind of less of a big deal here but actually it is because um, a lot of these uwp apps are actually significantly more sophisticated than what you had on on the previous version i think maps is the obvious example although that's kind of offset a little bit by here but also uh, office and actually the browser yeah. for me, it's probably probably the really big one in terms of that update that you get, and in terms of compatibility with the modern sites, especially as um, you know the old versions of IE are typically getting dropped from browser support matrix for for some sites, and it just doesn't quite work. And so it's a really nice thing to have. But I'd actually say almost the as important for me is actually just the familiarity with using applications across uh, desktop tablet uh, and mobile and they just typically work the same way and so if you know how to use one it's often very easy to pick up things on the other and you know that probably applies more to someone like me who does have a a windows 10 desktop i carry a surface pro 3 about as kind of my main mobile laptop type device and then of course have uh, windows 10 mobile devices Um, and so there is that continuity of experience and in a lot of cases there's also the continuity of data and it's amazing actually how much i've come to kind of just expect that to happen it's actually frustrating when it doesn't and kind of one of my personal bug bears and i think it's a shame that there's not better support for third-party applications there because um when we're talking about the benefits of the uwP here I think we're we're talking about true uwp applications there certainly are some that will only work on desktop or only work on on mobile or somewhere in between or aren't quite fully featured uh, but actually the Microsoft ones in particular have absolutely been done the right way and so as I say that continuity of experience and it really ties into what we're talking. Uh, about earlier with this idea of experience really coming to the fore and expecting to be able to use one in the same way that you do on another device, another platform, um, and certainly obviously data is a part of that. And you know, don't get me wrong, it's not a perfect scenario yet, but you can certainly see the benefits of it. And when you tie that into cloud data, and you know whether you're using OneDrive or one of the other cloud storage providers, actually, you know the idea of having to put something on a USB stick or think about how it might work differently on another device. Starts to, starts to disappear. And it's actually one of the reasons I've continued to use a Windows 10 mobile device. You know, I do, um, if I'm honest, carry an Android and iOS device around me with a lot of the time, uh, particularly for, for work reasons. But from a purely personal point of view, just the seamlessness of that experience. And um, I think a lot of Mac users will recognize this um, from kind of the continuity that you get between OS X and iOS, but I really think that Windows, um, and particularly with Windows 10, it's been taken to another level. And yeah. uh, you know, on, on the architecture side, I think that's even more true. Um, and you know, actually, you can get the similar thing with uh, Google Chrome in the way that that works seamlessly across lots of devices, and particularly if you then use uh, a Chromebook device. But Actually, it's just a more complete vision, I think, that Microsoft has got a bit further down that road. Um, the the shame, in one sense, is that the mobile part is arguably uh, the weakest because of the consequence of it being not very many devices out there or a smaller ecosystem than iOS and Android is probably a better way to put it, put it. But for the rest of my working life, actually, you know, Windows 10 does, does very well and actually as a result of a combination of personal work factors, I actually move across lots of different operating system and lots of different devices part of my role is having to understand all of those and try and have an opinion on them um but there is that nice soothing sensation when things just work um and certainly you know when you're recommending it to to family and friends i've had a lot of good things about it for that reason and uh, So it's almost a, a bit of a frustration or a sense of disappointment that the mobile bit, which I still think is the most important, you know, of course, it's the personal device that everyone has in their pocket, uh, hasn't quite worked out. And so in some senses, that, that, that fullness of Microsoft Vision hasn't really been seen by very many people. Because, of course, you know, the number of people that actually have all three of those in their set and then particularly if you start going on to things like Xbox as well is uh, relatively small and you know it's something until you try it and you use it you don't really understand it and you no know, like i said there's there's plenty of holes in it and it is what you're familiar with and i acknowledge that you know apple i think you know with icloud and things like that that went a lot of the, the same way to that but i mean steve would you say it's fair that it, it, it feels like something that's a little bit more further along that vision you know a little bit further into the future even if there are still i think would acknowledge um quite a number of frustrations in using it day to day.
0: I absolutely would. I feel rather frustrated with myself that I'm using a Mac as my main desktop and I've got off the side (laughs) of my Mac, I've got a Windows 10 um, laptop and it's fairly old. And what I'm pl- my plan for the rest of the year is to get myself a more up to date Windows Ten device, so that I actually feel that I'm I'm not being a hypocrite by by switching from Windows Ten mobile on the uh, on the smartphone to uh, to a Mac, which they actually don't work too badly together. But of course, it's not really the full Windows Ten experience that commonality. And I can I can completely see the the elegance of having one operating system on on the both devices. But uh, I do run up Windows Ten every single day. It's just not my main device. Yeah. But so
1: yeah. I I should warn you that the elegance and and that vision is perhaps um more pleasant in theory sometimes than in practice i mean don't get me wrong i, I think there's we've come on leaps and bounds and absolutely see it as the as the way forward um, but like you actually also uh, use a, a mac computer some of the time um and it you know it, it's almost it feels like it's within our grasp but not quite there and i know talking to yeah. a lot of people who are sort of completely in the microsoft ecosystem platform which of course is actually uh, rare given the number of windows 10 mobile users out there you know, they they set feel that it's a point that doesn't get um pushed home enough and you know fair enough and here's my attempt to kind of address some of that but going back to what you said about uwp that is clearly the most powerful part of it because i mean actually when it comes down to it yes there's uh, commonalities across the way the operating system works and to a certain extent there's a lot of commonality in the, the software and the underlying power but in terms of the uh, user interface you could argue that outside of the start screen you know that maybe not that much i mean i think the uh, design patterns and certainly some of the design language is very similar but actually as i commented before it's the the, the power is in actually the apps or even arguably the experiences yeah. themselves and so you know having mapped work seamlessly across all those devices for example with that data coming across is is, a, is pretty powerful
0: Yeah, and loads of people have been saying to me, um, even if they don't use Windows 10 Mobile or even Windows 10 on the desktop as their main OSs, they they try it and they say, you know, this is is beautiful. And some of the design, some of the iconography, some of the typography, some of the layout, some of the ideas are really, really well done. And the fact that they can intelligently uh, reshape themselves according to the form factor they're running on. It's just really, really good software design. And people can see this themselves, actually. If you've got a 950 or 950 XL, maybe even a 930, something with a larger screen, um, and you're running a Windows 10 mobile uh, universal window application, whether it's built-in or third-party, just try rotating the phone from portrait to landscape, and a surprising number of them um, we'll actually do some rather clever and rather intelligent things, and you think, "Hang on a minute! I never knew it could do that." And it's just all built and it's all part of the, all part of the system. So, so credit to Microsoft here. I I get the feeling, really, people. We've been saying this now for years, Rave. Then people, it was kind of a running joke in, in the in the smartphone world, the mobile world. That yes, Windows Phone will be fixed up next month, next next year, or whatever. We're always seem to be one year away from nirvana, and I think we're still we're still at the point where, quite legitimately, in May 2016, where we. Can say that May 2017, we'll have a, a new Surface phone or whatever it ends up being, and we'll have Redstone 2, and everything will work perfectly and continue will be baked into every single Windows 10 laptop and desktop, and you'll be able to take over screens from your smartphone. It, everything always seems to be about a year away, but in fairness, that, that's also true for most of the rest of the world. If you look at the Android key, um, keynotes, Google keynotes, which is one coming up next week, I think, um, and also the, the Apple keynotes once a year and the way they're developing iOS. In each case every ecosystem every smartphone os every desktop os they're all they're all announcing these things are going to happen in the next 12 months and there's always something to look forward to but that's good because it gives us something to chat about in the podcast <laughs> to write about so we shouldn't be depressed the fact that things aren't quite there because things are never there there'll always be something around yeah. the corner
1: Well I think the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence we you know, sometimes don't take for granted the things that have arrived uh, in the last year and that's true on whatever computing platform you, you care to mention I think the, the thing is for Windows 10 Mobile specifically there is this uh, sense that there Maybe Uh, existential threat is probably putting it too strongly, but certainly there has been a change in the last year. There's no getting away from that. And so, you know, will it still be around? Will it have its level of investment in 2017? It kind of remains to be seen. And, you know, we've talked before about the kind of the, the death of uh, Windows 10 Mobile and certainly the the latest figures we mentioned last time, I think the results from Microsoft Kanta recently come out and there's been a, a cratering of the sales share for, for Microsoft in markets like France and Italy, where previously very strong kind of dropping from 15% of smartphone sales down to around 5%. And we're seeing something similar happen in the UK. Not altogether a surprise given the number of uh, devices or device models I should say that uh, are out there. That was kind of a sense of inevitability about it and you know, obviously a very different picture but You know, I retain enough optimism to say that I think, you know, we will see certainly Microsoft continue to push the the boundaries a little bit on the way things are happening. And it's it's vision for Windows 10 Mobile uh, and I think more broadly Windows 10 and all the services and software that go along with that still are, are, are very much alive uh, and it, in one sense it's a shame that more people won't get a, a chance to see some of them but you know I, I do expect it will you know be setting part of the agenda for the way we talk about these things uh you know in the broader context at least uh you know for for the foreseeable future and yeah you know absolutely there is things to look forward to and it's always uh, something that's good to talk about and so i mean in one sense you probably noticed on recent podcasts we've been talking about around some of these subjects in a, in a broader sense because you know in one sense there's less excited to get about in the day-to-day consumer things you know it's not a platform in the same way as ios and android are in terms of that mass market reach but it does give us an opportunity sometimes to sit back a bit and think about it because you know one of the advantages i think you and i have steve is that we do try out android and ios and in some cases they'll actually end up being our main device for uh, some periods of time or at the very least you're carrying more than one device and so I think we're going to end up doing more of that, not less on the podcast, but we'll be interested to hear your feedback. I mean, of course, we'll continue to cover the big Windows news, but in one sense, you know, because there's that size sense of shrinking of the community in certain terms of the number of devices being announced. Well, having said that, you know, we we expect to see more this summer. We'll always continue to cover that, but I hope we can also continue to kind of think a bit more about some of the wider issues, um, and certainly on the podcast when we're doing it weekly, rather than um, upset people by talking about uh, Steve's latest imaging head-to-head in intimate detail. Well, to be honest, (laughs) we're going to keep on doing that too. Um, We'll we'll also talk about some of these, these broader issues, and actually you can probably tell I've been thinking about some of this um in this intervening two and a half weeks there's been some stuff going on um uh, for work and other things that makes this come up but actually i think it's a, a conversation very much worth having
0: absolutely and uh, hopefully people haven't minded us uh, talking a bit longer than normal because we haven't you haven't heard our our voices for a couple of weeks but uh, hopefully you've enjoyed it we will try and get back into a regular schedule uh, life permitting and hopefully maybe tuesday or wednesday next week you'll get another podcast so hopefully you look forward to that we've got a few stories that will hold over from there just in case nothing happens but i'm sure something will <laughs> uh, we, we're never really short sure of stuff to talk about but it's a goodbye from me and i'll let Rafe wrap up
1: Yeah, I hope you've uh, enjoyed the return of uh, Steve and I's Dogs at Tones and we will, of course, be back uh, next week. I promise to try and make more of an effort and we'll be back to our weekly schedule. But as ever, any feedback, please let us know and thank you very much for listening and please remember to tune in next time.